I am delighted to be catching up with Beth Regan, who is a member of the Eastern Connecticut State University E-Club Athletic Hall of Fame, had a 35-year teaching career. She began the women's soccer program at Eastern Connecticut State University and is now on the Council of Elders with the Mohegan Tribe. Morning, dear. <laughs> Good morning, Wayno. Thank you. You knew that was coming. Would you care to explain to the folks why I said morning, dear? Absolutely. So my Mohegan name is uh, she who walks in the morning with the deer, but I go by morning deer for short. And so uh, I, I, I didn't expect that. That was very good, though, Wayno, but th- friends do often do that. So thank you. Now, the first time I saw it, I said, well, that's how the interview is going to begin this morning. But you're so active right now with what's going on with the Mohegan tribe. And I would like to talk about your role on the Mohegan Tribal Council of Elders. What do you do? That's a great question. So we are a seven-member body, and uh, if you think of Mohegan Tribe, you might think of our Mohegan Sun Casino, but that's the business arm of the Mohegan Tribe, and that would be uh, the tribal council that works with our business arm and our legislative and executive arm. The cultural arm of our tribe would be uh, run by the Council of Elders, and so that's where I fit in with my group on the Council of Elders. We are in charge of our cultural activities when it comes to our wigwam powwow, intertribal socials, our singing, our dancing, oh, the reclamation of our language, okay, that is a big thing. We're in charge of enrollment, and believe it or not, we're judges as well. So that is the short version of what we do in the Council of Elders. And for me, to leave teaching after I retired, this was just a perfect fit. If I was going to leave teaching, this is what I wanted to do. You talked about reclamation of the language. Can you speak to me in Mohegan, maybe describe what you just said? Max, Max Nitom, yes, my friend. Kuikwasen cha kwa kuipium. Hello, good morning, and welcome to all. Oh, that's tremendous. And you're now teaching history and American history through a different voice. How so? Well, that's, that's another one I love to address. But when I used to teach American history, it was through the voice of not all. I should say not everyone's voice was heard. And so to teach about colonization in this area we call Connecticut now, to teach about what westward movement was at times you know, difficult because the indigenous voice and the native voice was left out. Now, I don't technically teach anymore, but I, do, I am involved with education. And the Mohegan tribe is a, is a real promoter of education from the time of Uncas to today. We've had many, many educators, our Tantaquidgen Museum and Gladys Tantaquidgen. So what we're doing now is the Mohegan tribe is heavily involved with offering grants, especially to schools that they can apply for to help teach indigenous studies and Native American studies in their curriculums. And now with the state of Connecticut bringing on indigenous studies, Native American studies, K through 8, coming this fall, Mohegan Tribe is involved with the State Department of Education as well. But, Wayne, we're also involved with all five recognized tribes in our state, so we can have a unified voice on what indigenous means in our state and then tell each and every one of our own stories. Before the quote-unquote mandatory involvement in learning about those tribes that begins next school year, were there elements in some schools, maybe not all, that were teaching that stuff already? Absolutely. I am very proud to say 
that Holland High School, where I spent my 35 years, has a class, Native American Studies, totally devoted to the teaching of Native Americans, the history and culture. And I'm proud to say that I began that class with the support of not only my administration, but the Mohegan tribe. They helped me. You know, it took a long time. It took several years to create that curriculum and then modify it as we went. So I got a lot of help from our cultural department, our historians, our medicine women, our elders, and tried to put together this class. And I'm very, very proud of that, and it's still going on. You know, Wayne, at the time, it was the only school in Connecticut that had a class totally devoted to Native American studies. We see it growing now. We're seeing that. And the Mohegan tribe is really proud to be part of that growth throughout Connecticut. And Beth, is the reason why this is important, one reason why it's important, because we're teaching history of the people, Mohegan and those other four tribes you talked about, that were here before we were here. Absolutely. I mean, just look at the word Connecticut. It's an Algonquian word, and that's always a good place to start. We are on indigenous land, absolutely. Long tidal river, Connecticut. And so I think it's important to know the story of this place. And, and that's sometimes a good place for schools to start. Where are they located? What tribes are there still or were there? Because we're still here. That's a myth I like to deal with. That you know, We're not people of the past. We are still here, living here in our homelands and in our communities. Now, Beth, what is your genealogy? Do you have Mohegan? Do you have Indian in you? Or are you just a part of it now because you feel so strongly about the mission? Yes, when I say 100%, I have it. No one's 100%. I'm not. My mother was Mohegan and my father was Irish. So I like to think that I get the best of both worlds, Wayne. Excellent answer. Now, this is called the Mohegan Educators Project. What is your role in that now and what is it going to be? I love the Mohegan Educators Project. It grew out of the Mohegan Grant School and Teacher of the Year program. The Mohegan Tribe is a platinum sponsor of the Teacher of the Year program in Connecticut. And we bring in the semifinalists and other local district teachers of the year to Mohegan to celebrate them and then to teach, to offer professional learning in how to integrate Native studies. And so what happened is, especially with COVID, and we had to stop that, the Mohegan tribe wanted to still give teachers opportunities to learn. So some of the lessons that I've created a lot of lessons over my lifetime at Tolland that were that we would use and then I doctored and created Mohegan lessons, we started an open portal in our on our website. Well, as a member of the Council of Elders, I couldn't really do this all the time and the elders saw to it that this is a full time position. So we hired just last year, it's just been over a year. Mohegan Director of Curriculum and Instruction, a young Mohegan woman who was also a teacher who is so skilled. And so she's taken this Mohegan Educators Project in conjunction with our communications department who puts the materials online and has created that portal. You know, I, I suggest that all teachers in Connecticut go to our public website. You can just Google Mohegan Tribe and navigate through the community and they can enter that portal and we can send them their login information and our so many wonderful lessons are available for teachers online and homeschoolers, too. And, Beth, with the Mohegan Educators Project, will you yourself be going out into individual schools throughout the state to tell the message in person? I have. I really have. And I still continue to do a little of that. 
but that is now Sam Kaliva, our new educate director of curriculum instruction. That's what she's doing, Wayne. That's a great question. She will come to schools and do professional learning and show them this, how to navigate through it and how to use it. And if you go to our public website, you can find information and email her, and, and she will come out to our schools. We've come to many local schools, and we will continue to do that. So how does the Mohegan Educators Project incorporate into the school's curriculum? Will there be classes that are going on from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year? Will it be something that's like a one-month educational project? How exactly does it incorporate starting next year? Oh, for next year with the state requirement, it will simply be, it's not a whole class, it will simply be the teachers must include Native American studies in their teachings in, it'll be 8 through 12. So they'll be able to choose in their social studies curriculums where to fit that. And, and so it won't be all year long necessarily, so it could be a unit. That's part of the social studies curriculum. And then it will probably grow as the curriculum grows as well. So, so it will be 8 through 12 starting this fall. Beth Regan came to Eastern Connecticut State University with her twin sister, Kathy, and played basketball and softball in the late 70s, later returned to coach the women's soccer program in its first six years on the varsity level between 1986 and 1991. A couple of things involving that, Beth. Number one is Bob Miller the Alumni Hall of Fame coach at Eastern Connecticut State University. What he said to you to convince you to come to Eastern, and then what he meant to you in your playing and later coaching career. Oh, boy, such great memories come to my mind when you ask me that question, Wayne. Uh, Bob offered not only basketball, but most importantly, an education. As a poor kid, uh, both of us, Sometimes we didn't see that necessarily, but education has always been valued in my family. So when we had the opportunity and he saw us play and he recruited us to come to Eastern, I jumped on it. I never had been to Eastern and then went there. Boy, I'll tell you, Eastern is amazing today what it's grown into from when I was there. But he had this passion that I really appreciated and this knowledge of basketball and and the education piece we were in. What was the role of Title IX in not just Eastern's women's basketball, but women's sports in general? You've become such a great high school coach over the course of time, and that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Title IX. Absolutely. Let me tell you, timing is everything. I was a 10th grader when Title IX came into effect. So it started to impact a little bit of my high school career. But clearly, Bob would not have had the kind of program that he was able to start without it. So my opportunities to play college basketball, get an education, become an educator, and a coach would never have happened without Title IX. I'm so grateful for the opportunities I had. And, you know, it's ironic that I had to be, I am grateful, but I'm so glad these were at least presented for young women. Look at where we are today because of it, the kind of educational and athletic opportunities we have. Listen, the Connecticut Sun, we own the Connecticut Sun, right? I'm a big, big fan of the Connecticut Sun, season ticket holder, visit with our team all the time. Look at the opportunities these women have had, and they should have. Wait a minute, a member of the Council of Elders has to buy season tickets? Well, I do that because I want to support our Connecticut son, absolutely. 
Okay, I get it. Now, tell me about the event that took place last year at a leadership luncheon where they surprised you at Eastern Connecticut State University and named an endowed women's soccer fund to establish after a fundraising campaign led by former Eastern head women's soccer coach Christy Ambrosio. I guess they got you pretty good with that one, didn't they? They certainly did. Brought tears to my eyes because, you know, Chris, I, I am so thankful for that. I told you about wanting to come to Eastern, right? We spoke about that, that education piece, that athletic piece. Athletics teach us so much more, you know, with in terms of how to be leaders, how to ed, to confront adverse situations, etc. So to allow other young women to come to Eastern to give them a little bit better opportunity to become their fullest self was just mind-blowing to me. And having begun the women's soccer program and Chris Ambrosio taking it to the level that he did, I couldn't have been happier to see that. I, I, I was just blown away. Tell me what the experience was like for you when you were the pretty much founder of the Eastern Women's Soccer Program as a varsity sport in 1986. You were the first head coach. How difficult was that to start a program from scratch? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. It was crazy difficult. Uh, I don't know how we did it. Uh, I will say it was uh, fun, but, you know, you come in in the summer, you're hired in the summer, and you have to start in a couple weeks, right? So uh, I remember bringing a recruit with me from Tallinn who had just graduated, Amy Keene, and she became a Hall of Famer, so thank goodness for her. But then they did have a club. There were a few young women still around and local soccer talent. So did a lot of recruiting of the people that were already there virtually to start. But it was really, really hard because, remember, Wayne, I was a part-time coach. I was still teaching full-time. I, I really don't know how I did it. Having to go out and recruit, having to scout, even now today, scouting is all done with film, right? You don't have to travel places as well. But it was teach full-time, get in the car after the school day is over, drive to Eastern, change, get on the field, and let's go. And then the, the night becomes longer with your homework. But I had a lot of support from people to, uh, for soccer. And as much as it was really, really difficult, Wayne, that's really the reason I didn't stay forever. It needed to be a full-time position. I, when, when Bill Holowaty asked, when I met with him about this, you know, I said, you know, I'd love to get it off the ground. This is my alma mater. They're asking. I, I need to give back. So I did try to get it off the ground, and I said I'd get, give it five years. I ended up giving it six, but that's when a full-time position evolved, and that's really what it needed. And starting the program, you still went 48, 30, and 9 in those six years. And in your third year, Eastern qualified for the ECAC New England tournament, and the following year qualified for the first NCAA Division Three tournament. We talked about the role that your basketball coach, Bob Miller, played in your life at Eastern. You also lettered on the first intercollegiate softball team under the late Alumni Hall of Fame coach Clyde Washburn. Clyde would go on to win five national championships. Tell us a story about Clyde Washburn. Oh, my. Clyde was a character. First of all, he knew the game very, very well. But he brought an element of fun to it that, was, that drew you in, you know, that drew you in. Don't get me wrong. He, he was tough and he was strict. But that fun that you know remember let's remember it's a game right this is a game as well so i loved his balance when it came to softball the ability to be hard to teach skills but also have fun at the same time 
You talked about giving back to Eastern Connecticut State University. I was amazed that you became a volunteer assistant coach with Denise Beerley at Eastern Connecticut State University. Why did you do that? The same thing, to want to give back. I've always believed it's just my little way to say thank you to Eastern to try to give them a little bit back. But Denise has brought the program to such a, an amazing level in, this, in Division Three basketball. And I would watch some games, and, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun to, to help out if, if it was needed? And so I'm a volunteer because clearly with my responsibilities, I can't get to every practice or every game. But many times practices are in the evening or late in the day after my workday. So I really love being able to be involved with Eastern women's basketball uh, being in the same gym that I participated in, looking up at the banners that we have there and that Denise and Bob have put up there, it just makes me feel right at home. And, and I'm grateful to Denise, and I'm grateful to be able to work with our post players and the whole team when I'm available to do that. So I, I love it. It keeps me young, Wayne. It keeps me young. Yes, and we were all young when you and your twin sister, Kathy, were dominant players for Eastern women's basketball in the late 70s. And what is Kathy doing these days? Oh, great question. Kathy just retired last year from serving on the Mohegan Tribe Tribal Council. As you'll recall, I told you the business arm and the legislative executive arm. So she moved from her career at Lincoln Financial to become a member of the Mohegan Tribal Council. And so she just retired last year. I go way back with Beth and with Kathy Regan at Eastern Connecticut State University. And Beth, it was great to catch up with you. Keep up the good work and best wishes with the Mohegan Educators Project you talked about. Thank you, Wayno. So good to talk to you. That's Eastern Connecticut State University Athletic Hall of Fame member. And a lot of Hall of Fame she's in, too. Beth Regan on 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.